Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am well, my friend. How are you? I'm good. No complaints. Um, as everyone knows, we uh, are doing a little bit of a Ask Coach Thorpe uh, as we start off our podcast, giving you guys the opportunity that Henry and Travis and I get all the time, which is to tap into David Thorpe's big basketball brain. And we've gotten some great questions so far. So for those of you that want to continue asking questions, please do so. For those of you that haven't, uh, it is True Hoop, T-R-U-E-H-O-O-P, at TrueHoop.com. And we will filter through those questions and we will ask David to weigh in. So one of the things that, David, that you uh, talk about, and this question's from our listener, Gino, who's been listening to us for a long time, is the idea of Royal Jelly. And you talk about it often in context of, you know, players and what they specifically need to thrive and flourish and turn into, for lack of a better term, queens, right, in, in this setting, right, to be the best versions of themselves. And Gino's wondering, you know, how could that work in a team setting for the entire team? And he looked at it from the standpoint of egalitarian offenses like the Denver Nuggets, uh, like the old San Antonio Spurs versus heliocentric offenses like what Luka does in Dallas and what Harden used to do in Houston. And he's wondering if a player just stands in the corner and his only job is to shoot and never move, there aren't going to be any reference points for this player to dribble, make advanced reads, all that sort of thing. And he asked, you know, is that evaluation that player hold if they have not been able to see maybe there are other parts of their games that could flourish? Right. So first of all, great question. And I uh, hadn't been asked something like that before. It stands to reason that um, what you're running schematically can make a difference to remind everyone uh, Royal jelly is a, a term that exists in science uh, in, in bee colonies in the hive, uh, all larvae are genetically the same, and none of them are able to produce eggs. Uh, the bees feed the some larvae uh, royal jelly, they call it. The bees don't call it that. The scientists don't call it that a long time ago. And um, as well as they give them larger space in the hive, which I think is also a really important point. The cells that those larvae in are bigger than the average uh, bee cell. And, um, and then those bees become queens, which... Uh, can lay eggs and propagate the species. So I, I came up with this similar idea that's my job, in a sense, is to is to feed my players and my wife and my children royal jelly and um, help them flourish. So I do think, first of all, we have to look at the bigger picture. Uh, on a court, you've got uh, offense is just one part of the game. Mm-hmm. We can call it those two parts of the game, rebounding, baked in offense and defense. Uh, and, and so... If you're mostly standing in the corner, uh, but you're rebounding and setting great screens, making great cuts, adding something to the chemistry, uh, as I say to every young player, impacting wins by helping to win possessions, you, that that allowance of that um, helps you grow, gives you confidence, breathes spirit into you. And that's not anything we should be ignoring. It's a valuable thing. So um, to, as a, a specific example, I was speaking to a rookie for the Mavericks, Omex Prosper, whom you know, mm-hmm. I know. I saw him in L.A. and, uh, you know, I actually worked him out a little bit and um, said to him some of the stuff that I would have you do, you can't do this year. Mm-hmm. Like those early pull-up threes off the dribble uh, are going to get you a quick hook when you miss because <laughs> you're going to miss. Everyone misses. Uh, but one day maybe. And so that's what teams need to do as well. So to the, to the question at this point, 
the teams that allow that earlier on, uh, if the player is willing to put in the work and get the reps in, study film and all that stuff, uh, uh, there's a better chance that player will grow those areas faster. But there's no reason to think that playing with Luke or James means you can't develop into a winning player. You just won't be as as necessarily complete as maybe someone in the more egalitarian offense. Um, but I do think it's really important for younger players, what I mean, I mean middle school, high school uh, age, to to be allowed to do a lot of things. When I was coaching, for example, JV basketball, uh, we ran lots of stuff. Uh, I called it the circle offense. I literally created an offense called the circle offense where we everyone was out, five out, everyone was running in, in, a, in kind of completing circles, small circles, big circles. And it's really more of a Princeton-based passing cut offense. Mm-hmm. But it forced everyone to, to pass, catch, mm-hmm. cut, mm-hmm. move, dribble. They all learned how to play the game. I thought that was important for young players. No, I, I think you're dead on, David. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, maybe a couple, couple weeks ago now, um, video mm-hmm. of Steph Curry at his camp. You know, most of these players have camps uh, circulated on the internet. And it was, you know, during, you know, obviously during these camps and you've coached at five star and all these amazing camps, yeah. like yeah. when these kids are they're running drills and doing five on five and different things, Curry stopped in the middle of one of them. And he said, guys, the worst thing you can do in this game is to confront demand for the ball, demand for the ball. You don't get it. And then you stop in the corner and just stay there. He's like, yeah. look, yeah. that is the weakest move in basketball. And it's the worst thing you can do. And so he talked about, you can always screen away. And so he's teach because that's what he does, right? Like he gives up the ball and that man never stops moving. So he's, he got all his players to understand the importance of doing that, right? And when you're a defender or your team on defense, that's crazy when I've got multiple things happening behind me with cutting and screening and I got the guy in front of me I got to worry about as well, right? It creates confusion and chaos for the defenders. And it's so important for players to understand. Yeah, I think that we can get... Um... We can forget how incredibly unique guys like AI and Harden uh, are as talents. Um, you know, I joke my, my son rarely puts a shirt on, but if I look like him, maybe I wouldn't either. As, as many athletes w- at that age, I didn't wear all his shirts when I was 22. Right. I do now, <laughs> 58 years old. Um, Harden and Iverson, uh, you can stand around in a five-man offense and still have a, a very, very efficient offense because they'll well, harden better than Iverson right. probably uh, because he's a better shooter. Those guys are just so unique. That doesn't mean it's good strategy, generally speaking. And so this is where we have issues with AAU basketball, for example. I, I hope, it's fair to hope this, that what Steph is saying trickles down into the, the arts and minds of both players and coaches. their coaches. That we need. I, I watched a play yesterday before we came on the air, and and in my computer something happened. We couldn't do our show, um, but I watched a, a nice little action, some some uh, pin downs, ghost screens, that kind of thing to create a shot. This was in Europe for a three, and uh, it's something you would never see in AAU basketball. I, I'm just gonna say never, almost never. We have a lot of standing around, and it's too bad because I do think uh, the game is about movement. I wrote my book, Basketball's mm-hmm. Jazz, and named it that for a reason. Uh, it's not a solo act, right? Right, typically. And uh, we see too much of that. But uh, yeah, you're, you're literally limiting your, the growth of your team when only one guy gets to do a bunch of stuff. At the highest level of the NBA, if you're trying to win games, that is a, that is a strategy that can work if you have a James Harden-type player right. and, or a Luka Doncic. 
Um, but I think you and I both agree that generally speaking, we should be leaning more towards how the Warriors play than how the Rockets played then or how the Mavericks play now. Absolutely. 100%. Um, our second question comes from a listener, Mikhail. And he wants to know, and this is one of my favorites, how does Coach Thorpe watch the game? As a viewer, I mainly just look at who dribbles the ball at any given moment, but I think I may be missing some higher level details. <laughs> well, I don't know. So on a typical night, I'll have four screens on or three screens on. And um, I try not to focus too much on any one thing if I'm doing that. and just. And, but I don't typically watch the ball, to be fair. I don't typically watch the ball. Uh, I, it's yes, my eyes can navigate to it, but it's mostly unconscious where I'm not, I'm watching the action and I see the ball. Um, y- y- there's no question more, m- more of the fans are missing more details than I am. Um, just because I've seen so much of it. Uh, if you, if you drive to work every day, the same way for 10 years, like you don't have to pay attention to much and you see everything still, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, when I'm focused on one game and I've really got to take some notes, that kind of thing, uh, I, I will often walk, lock in on a player that doesn't have the ball in his hands, uh, and sometimes defensively, sometimes offensively. And just because of my age and experience, I still kind of see all 10 guys running around. Uh, but I also like to rewind. So um, I try to tape anything I'm watching pretty much with direct TV. It makes it very easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, and so it, I'll, if a play is pretty cool and I'm not quite sure how to get open, I just rewind it to make sure I saw it. And, and I definitely miss sometimes. Or there'll be, I saw two guys or three guys or four guys. The fifth guy did something. Oh, wow, look at that. To your point, you said earlier about Curry. Sometimes one player makes a cut that drags just a, a, a step from a defender towards Curry. And then everything yeah. flows from there. And that's how they got the shot seven seconds later. I like seeing that kind of stuff too. Um, and then the same thing defensively when, when a defender really stones a drive, uh, it's easy to see when it looks like the, the defender maybe got beat, but the offensive player stopped. It's often because of something helper was doing. I like to see that. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And one of the things that David does also is watch on synergy, um, which is, which, yeah, which, which I do as well. And because my basketball brain does not process as fast as David's, I have to often watch in like quarter speed. So I can be like, how the hell did that happen? And I can see those points you mentioned where, oh, the defender took one half a beat of a step one way. Yeah. That's all the offense needs. So then you now you see how this is how the players open on the backside just because of that one thing. Um, Mikhail's question is a little bit deeper. He asks, so given all that, how do you know if a player is an empty stats player? And conversely, how do you know if a player is doing something well that doesn't show up in the box score? Well, I do like looking at metrics. I do think that's why we have them. I don't think they always tell the story. Maybe Henry and data people would argue with me. Um, And what I mean by that is not necessarily the static story as much as where, where can this player go? You know, all rookies, every rookie but Walker Kessler made their team worse this year. They're not all going to be bad players. And, our job, and Henry loves to remind me of this, is to figure it out. He wants me to figure it out now. <laughs> the data says he sucks, but they're not. Paolo's not going to suck. Right. <laughs> Jamari Smith, I don't think, is going to be bad. And so what what do you see that looks like, oh, well, you know what? He did this pretty well. Um, I like to see competitiveness. I'm a, that's why I hate these pickup games. Mm. And whether it's five on five, um, two teams playing in, in August or just 10 dudes, 
uh, you won't see many challenges uh, anywhere. You won't see a lot of going over the top of screens because it's hard to do that. It's hard to do a lot of things. It's why the games are so much better than pickup stuff. And uh, so if, if you like, that's why I like Jabari Smith coming out of Auburn. I thought he was very competitive. And um, Paolo's super talented, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, denigrating him at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I like to look at those kinds of things. And, and uh, the empty stats um, can happen. I think too often we criticize mm. the high-production player when his team is bad and forget to recognize, oh, the rest of his team sucks. Oh, and you, It's hard to do with that guy. You doing. know who's a good example of that, I think, is Devin Booker. Right, like early yeah, early in his right. career, everybody's like, "Oh, this guy's just a good stats, bad team guy." And I'm like, "Well, like maybe if he had better players, the Suns would be all of a sudden yeah. like you're, you're like, wow, Devin Booker's really good.' It's like, yeah, he's been really good, right? But now he's got better people on his team, right? Yeah, no, right. that's that, that's huge. I mean, people thought Dirk couldn't do it, and KG couldn't do it, and at first it was bad team, and then it was they can't take him to the next level, right. and whatever. Uh, I. The guys that there, there are, if you're putting up good numbers efficiently, uh, you can play. If you're also adding defense, well, then you're potentially an all-star if the numbers are really good. So even if the team's bad, that happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, last part of Miguel's question. Um, how do you know in real time what a team or what mismatches players and teams are trying to exploit on the court? Well, you can see it. First of all, if you're at a game, you can sometimes hear it. Uh, attack him or, you know, swing and get over there, whatever. Um, it's not a coincidence when they keep going after the same guy. <laughs> Bring him in pick and roll yeah. every time. So, right. So, or, or, or ISO, so, or posts. So um, if you wanted to do it, you could just chart it. You could just chart who was the player. Don't look, don't write down who attacked. Write down who was attacked. Whether it was ball screen action, which, which requires two players mm-hmm. to, on different defense. You don't know which one. It might be, might be the guy guarding the ball, might be guard guarding the screener. So start just scripting it all out. And then the same thing in the post, that kind of thing. Um, I don't think you tend to see it too surgical in the regular yeah, season. So much. I think it's more just, hey, this guy's a weak player. And the players know mm-hmm. it. They know who can they can pick on uh, or they want to pick on. Like, I got news for you. They're coming for you, Victor. Yeah, for sure. They're coming for, for you, sure. Victor. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I've named him the best prospect I've ever seen. But they're coming for him, and I mean on both ends, because he probably, like Chet Holmgren, I think, still thinks he's KD. No, you're not. <laughs> and, and no, you will never be. Doesn't mean you won't be better than KD, right, right. but you won't be that guy. Right. Too tall. Yeah. You're too, both of them are too tall, in my opinion. You won't be that guy. Uh, and so when you try to be, all these guys, I know this because I'm talking to the players. Uh, they cannot wait to go attack his dribble. No and they're going to go after him on – now, he might be better on defense. That doesn't mean he can get dunked on. He's going to get dunked on a bunch. Yeah. Right, because he's competitive, right. which is why Nobody who tries to block shots is not going to get dunked on. That's that's yeah. how that works. Um, also, David, you mentioned a point. He, he has a target on him because not anything that he's done, but because of the hype surrounding him. And players hear yeah. that, and they feel some kind of way about that. And they're like, oh, you think this guy's the next whatever? I'll show you who's the next whatever so-and-so. To- have I not told you the story? I had to have told you this story about Greg Oden's like uh, second preseason game against the Kings. I don't think so. Uh, maybe it was their, maybe, might have been their first game, uh, his rookie season. And my son, Kevin Martin, was wearing a mohawk <laughs> because his grandfather had just died. He, his middle name is Dallas. Yeah. Dallas had just passed and he wore a mohawk. 
So I did not, I did not know he did that until I saw the game and like, wow, he's wearing a different haircut. But in that game, and you can find this on YouTube, it's, I've, I've seen it before. Kevin told me before the game, everyone threw in, let's call it a hundred bucks. Who's going to dunk on Odin mm. first, right? And uh, this is preseason. And that, that wasn't, Kevin wasn't looking, first of all, to shake you off the dribble. Right. His game was different. Um, not that he didn't have a lot of dunks. He did. And uh, sure enough, left to right cross at the, um, above the break, just near left of center, left to right cross. And I, and I saw it coming right away. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> and he goes off left leg. Boom. Wins that, wins that money. Oh, there's going to be some Victor Betts oh, in preseason. I promise listen, you. Listen, folks, yeah. the, it, some, most of you know this about the NBA, for those of you don't, that don't know. Like, bounties and not like in in football where like they target you to hurt you but players have like dunk bounties all the time and it's like all right and it's like coach mentioned a hundred dollars some of these dudes are like nah we're putting in 500 apiece and it's like and guys will go after it try to get that because these guys are competitive man and there's all different ways to like you know get juiced up and fired up for a, for a regular season game and when victor comes to town for sure there's going to be and it's sort of like it's like hazing in a way, right, David? Like it's like ritual because, like, it's not that they want Victor to fail. It's more just like, hey, rookie, we all had to go through this. Well, we, if we were a highly touted prospect, they all came for us. It made us better. Iron sharpens iron. All that you get through it, and it's fine. So it'll be interesting to see how Victor yeah. Victor receives all of that because he's a smart guy. He has to know it's coming as well. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I think so. Okay, so uh, some. Latest from Philadelphia, um, which is, you know, interesting. This is the, uh, I was going to say the winter of James Harden's discontent, but it's the summer of his discontent um, for you English majors out there. Um, you know, he and Daryl clearly are are at odds and he wants out. And Daryl's like, well, whatever. I'm not training you unless I get what exactly what I want. And I thought this was interesting because Joel Embiid earlier this week scrubbed the Philadelphia 76ers from his social media profiles and you know whenever did he, did he did, really yeah, do that from, at least from twitter yeah because okay. he had or now called x was probably twitter um it used yeah. to have in the geolocation philadelphia was tagged it would say sixers blah, blah blah all this stuff well that stuff is out and if you remember when he was on did some interview uh earlier in the summer and he said whether i win a championship in philly or someplace else and so you know you kind of think these things are all whatever people talk when you start like adding them all up together in addition to the Harden situation, I mean, is this something that concerns you? And look, for, for the record, Embiid still got four years left on his deal and a ton of money owed, right? But we've seen players that sign right, that signed for and literally demand trades the minute they sign, they sign on the dotted line, yeah. which is probably what James Harden should have done. But in Williamson, Brooklyn. But you know, that, that's neither here nor there. What what are you hearing about the the Harden situation? And does the Embiid move of scrubbing Philly? make you think anything okay gerard it's both here and there okay <laughs> it's not not here and there it is here and there his, his james not signing that deal has created the mess that we have now and so first uh, let me go backwards to harden a little bit because it's going to lead into mb i think i messed up my article yesterday i definitely messed up and I, I named adrian griffin head coach of right, toronto coach of- when I, I saw dark yeah. over there every day uh, but I connect Adrian to Toronto in my mind, and I'm a stupid old man. Um, so luckily, Travis or someone caught and we fixed it right away. But I, would, I made a mistake, I think. I believe I wrote in the article that, I, that, he'll, that he'll never play for Daryl. Harden will never play for the Sixers while Daryl's there. I think I'm wrong. Mm. I, I, don't, I have not sourced this. I just started thinking about what did Harden mean 
when he tweeted about being uncomfortable. And uh, nothing he's done is making him uncomfortable. And I don't know that he was necessarily, he had to be the one that was uncomfortable. And so now I start, I, I just, I think he will play. I think he's going to make them uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Like, hey, hey, big yeah, fella, yeah. you were MVP last year. Good luck this year. So he's, he's going to go for his own MVP, you know, or do more of the heliocentric James Harden Houston Rockets ball. Yep. Mm. Yep. I think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the longer you keep me, the more I'm going to fuck this team up. And the value of our, of our talent goes down and down and down. I, I don't know if he'll do that, but I just, it just makes more sense to me than not playing at all. That's what Daryl right, wants. Right, right. That's what Daryl wants. And so, yeah, I think that um, either way, they, either way, I think the drama is going to, going to increase. I probably that's the most important thing yeah. to say is that I think it's going to get more dramatic, not less yeah. dramatic between the three parties because now we get to the MB part. Um, yeah, we 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 we've we've done this now. We've seen this enough with players. We know where this train's going. It could it can change tracks, but where the train's going now is MB is not going to be in Philly, and Harden's not going to be in Philly. And Sixers fans, you can cuss me out, which you've done before. <laughs> but I when I when I gave people ideas on what they could do with Simmons. Um, by the way, have you seen what Ben he, Simmons looks I mean, like? He looks. Jacked beyond belief. Hey, 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 oh, just say yes. Let's yes. not talk about it. Let's not jinx okay. anything. Let's just, you and I will both smile hugely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But let's just leave it at that. Um, but uh, so Sixer fans, hate me all you want. Uh, I think that, I think Daryl Morey is looking to reboot the system. That's what I think. I think it's going to be Embiid gone, Harden gone, Harris gone. They probably keep Maxi, but they don't have to keep Maxi. He's just young. It makes no sense to pay him as much as you're going to have to pay him other than he becomes a very valuable piece when he scores 34 a game, and he's he's doing his version of Jordan Poole North. Oh, man. Uh, Philadelphia yes, is north correct. of yep, D.C. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I was kidding. I, I've made that drive <laughs> before, actually. Yeah, I think that uh, – I think I think that's a possibility is you keep Poole uh, – keep, keep uh, Maxie, let him score a bunch of points, and then ultimately move him too. And start over. Man, th- those of you who are in the New York City metropolitan area, if I had the Funk Master Flex bomb drop, I would have just played it just now when David said Daryl's going to reboot the Sixers. Literally, I was like, yeah. mind. And I'm like, I think yeah. that's exactly right. Because here's the. I mean, Jarrell just. Why would you do that? Right. Jarrell, your team your team is going to not have James Harden at his optimum. Okay. Uh, you've you just brought a coach in. Nothing against Nick Nurse, who I thought was amazing in Toronto until but he he's wasn't. He's got work to do. It's it's not like he's a player whisperer. Right. Although I wrote this, he is liked. I I I, I am not sure that uh, that he is going to be able to solve this problem. But I am sure he was not disliked by his Raptors players. Uh, to his credit, whereas I think the Philly guys thought Doc sucked. <laughs> so I don't think they'll think that about Nick. But um, I think that it's going to be – I think, and I think that's what Daryl – I think ultimately Daryl realized the smartest thing for me to do Reboot this. is not pay James what I promised mm-hmm. to pay him and get these guys out of here and, I, and just take it a step further. People are questioning, well, how could this be a promise when James Harden is, was floating out the Houston stuff? Well, come on. Yeah. It, it isn't that right. surprising to James right. Harden that Daryl's right. doing this. You're taught at a young age, pretty much all of us, don't trust fucking anybody, <laughs> right? A promise is great, but I still have to make sure 
that you know I'm valued by the teams. And I think Yudoka blew yeah, that you up. Yudoka, once they hired Yudoka, it was done deals. Like, oh, Harden's not coming here. That's, that, that's what I, I've been saying that. I don't know what the truth is. I just know if you're Ime Yudoka with all that young talent, you bring James Harden, you're expected right, to win right. more. And it, they just are super young and not very and good. And Yudoka wants to instill so, a culture no, no, of defense. No. And with Harden there, uh, that ain't going to work out so well. I don't, argue, I don't argue with that. So I just don't think he wanted the pressure of having – this year they win 25 games. Hey, now, they win 30 games. Woo, coach of the year. 35 maybe coach of the year nominations. Um, and so I think that kind of played out poorly for James when they hired Ime. Yeah. Now we got to deal with, all right, I've lost my one uh, uh, leverage card to make sure Daryl didn't do what he's doing, what he might do. And, and then Daryl realized, too, and maybe his owner, although I think Daryl's in charge. Um, you know what? We're just, we're not going to, I think they felt like we're not going to win either way, which is only weird. If that's the case, why'd you hire Nick Nurse? Unless you think he's going to be a good yeah. teacher. He was a G League coach and a right. good one. So that's a good argument, too. And, and also, I help, and Gerard, just to finish the point, it makes more sense that he brought a guy and it's not that he just played without a center. Scotty Barnes right. was his center. Right. And when your last good center was yeah. Gasol, yeah. who was not Joel Embiid. Well, come on. And so it makes more sense that he hired a guy that has a – talk about a egalitarian system. He does. Move, move, move. Cut, cut, cut. Sideways, sideways, sideways. Find the mismatch and attack. Uh, it, it makes more sense when you think Joel Embiid's not going to be there. This all makes sense because, you know, Joel Embiid won the MVP last year, finished runner-up, I think, the previous two years. Correct. Um, I think that's right. Look, we uh, Embiid's fantastic, phenomenal. We know – Amazing. I don't know how much longer he's going to be healthy and be able to, right? Because this guy has injury history and concerns, right? So Daryl could also be looking at it that way. Like, he's locked up already, but I don't know if we can win going forward because we know Harden's not this isn't going to work out with James. I know that. Even if, if he does play, he's going to, you know, not play the way we want him to play here. That's going to be an issue. Um, and I think, yeah, you you can you then do the move where who doesn't want uh, MVP caliber center that is under contract for the next four years. Hello, New York Knicks. Anybody home? Um, you know, like, and they can send a bunch of their young guys and picks, and, and the Knicks have a ton of picks. See, this is what the Knicks regime has done well the last few years. They're not locked into any bad deals, and they got a lot of draft capital, which, you know, Daryl loves. Yeah. So, you know, and then he may yeah. want, you know, quickly or Grimes or whatever, you know, some, some, some of the young guys. And then if you trade Harden, I was thinking, you know, two of your favorite guys in the backcourt, David, Mann and Maxi. Because man gives you the size, six five, he'll play some D. And then you know Tyrese, six foot two, like super fast, shoot lights out. I was like, not a bad backcourt, and with some picks for for, for which team you're talking about. Yeah, okay, you that can, makes sense. You, can, yeah, you know, yeah. this is fun. Yeah. No, there's there there are a lot of people. Trade machines should get a lot of run now. I haven't even thought about it yet. Uh, and Joel is going to choose yeah, where he sure. wants. For I sure. think just like I think Dame is and uh, James and the Clippers. I I think it's going to happen. I can tell you that. Uh, the Clippers are still – there's still a possibility they get James Harden, if not a very strong possibility, from their end. They can't control right. Daryl. But um, I know that they are – I know it's on L.A.'s mind just because I look at uh, roster moves they're not making uh, because they, you know, they've got to keep it alive for potentially James, and they can fill their roster out afterwards. So uh, I ultimately think that – it just I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I could see it happening. And then something else you mentioned about – you said, oh, it depends on the owner, but I think Daryl's in charge. Well, remember, Josh Harris, uh, the Blitzer-Harris group that owns the Sixers, they just bought the Washington Commanders. So 
he's going to have his interest sort of diverted in a lot of different ways right now. And I think the reason he got Maury as his president of basketball operations with Brown as the CEO who used to be the guy in Houston, I think that's actually the power structure as running things. They may have to just be like, hey, Josh, we're doing X. And Josh is like, cool, I trust you guys. And if so really, right, Daryl's the guy running the show. So if he's going to reboot this thing, I think this is the perfect vehicle and setup for him to do that. You know, one thing I would like, uh, I can't do it, but someone like Henry can. Let's talk. Let's try to talk him into it. Um, if it's possible, we should look into how much money these executives have brought in for their teams in their tenure. Because I've seen some people criticize Daryl uh, for, you know, lacking him. He never made that conference. Uh, he never won a conference before. Uh, I don't think his owners care with the money right, he's made them. Right, it's my right. guess. It's just my guess. But I think he has been a goldmine for these for these franchises, which is his job. Right, winning is part of it, but it's silly to fit, to only look at life right. as that winning championship. Who's right. winning the most? Yeah, it's it's a business. Businesses are here to solve problems, and they're and they're they make money when they solve problems. So uh, I. They are entertaining. Many of his teams have been very entertaining in terms of winning games. You may not like how they play, but you like cheering when you when you score. Your team scores one more point than the other guys, the bad guys. So, uh, my guess is, uh, the, the, to your point, the owner is saying, Josh Harris is saying, you keep making me money, man. If, if, and if we if we don't make as much money in year one, but years four, five, six, seven, we really kill it. Fine, like you know, we're we're invest. We know how to invest. We've done it. So, yeah, I just, again, this is all just conjecture on my part, but just doing the math a little bit, knowing some people that I do and talking in L.A., talk to a lot of people. I just think we're going to we're going to see a total breakdown in Philly mm-hmm. and uh, some some other teams are going to get pretty fat. I talent. Mean, and it's not just Embiid and Harden, right? Like they could say, you know what, let's move off Tobias Harris's deal. Let's, you know, and that's expiring, I think, coming up in the next year or two. He definitely will be traded that out for sure. Definitely but yeah, no, trade. and you got yeah. some guys and PJ Tucker, right? You got guys who can, you know, who can provide some value somewhere yeah. else. So yeah, watch the situation in yeah. Philly, guys. It'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, everybody, we'll be back after a commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, David. Um, <laughs> you know, the internet always goes crazy over over videos of pros play and pick up. And I, I love <laughs> when David talks about it because 
he essentially throws cold water on it. Um, and it's funny because, like, I, I it's not like, you know, David loves basketball, whatever, but it's hilarious because, like, you'll come in so excited about something and he's like, who cares? This doesn't mean anything. And it's just like, wah, wah. You know, like you're you're <laughs> you're just saying I'm a David <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But you're 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 a David realist. You're like, look, this this is what matters. This is what does it. Anyway, video of um some five on five and the runs uh, made it out, and apparently at a recent uh, run, Chet and KD were playing on opposite teams, and you know, edited video made it its way all over where they basically say, look, these guys are going at it like head to head, blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear what David has to say about this. Uh, one, I know you always say you can never take anything away from, not too much away from when you see that because guys aren't going full speed, et cetera. But in the edited clips you did see of KD and Chet, what, if anything, did your basketball brain say? Well, if you if you were told, if I could see the whole game and I saw Chet scoring efficiently one-on-one over KD, I think that's valuable. I, but I have no idea. I, you know, he might have gone five for seventy-five <laughs> or five for fifteen. I just, don't, I just don't know. But um, I, I do. I don't think anyone's ever questioned. I've never questioned Chet's talent. His body is a concern, uh, and um, and his willingness to play the right way early in his career is a fair concern of mine. But um, I mean, if he can score one-on-one against some skinny dudes, that's good. Can he score against bigger guys? Maybe we'll have to see about that. I know this. I doubt he's doing. I thought he looked effective in the clips that we saw that he made. I doubt that the only thing he's doing is playing pickup. I'm sure he's training with that all the time against the air. And those are nice reference points. Durant is tall. I don't think Durant competed on the ground, which is where you should really compete against Chet, make him uncomfortable with his dribble. Uh, KD, I mean, there was nothing yeah. different there. <laughs> yeah, that's the office. For <laughs> the him, normal right? summer yeah, stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's it's yeah. it's highlights. Yeah. You know, we we have told you we're starting this new business. We're helping players get college scholarships. We send out highlight clips to to sh- with statistics. So you know, you may see five of five from three, and okay, but he's shooting forty percent from three on the year, which means he's missing right. six of ten. He's not making every one, but at least we can compare the two. But then we always send the real film. We won't help a player if we don't have real film. Because the team, we don't want to try to get college coaches fired. <laughs> so here's what we think. Get interested. Here's full game tape. Why we think this guy can help you win games, whatever. And so there's a reason for that. Everyone looks good uh, in highlight. Yes, reel. That's, the, that's the whole point of a highlight reel, right? It's a, even if you're a broadcaster yeah, right. and you're making a highlight reel of yourself, like it's all your best moments. And like that's oh, that's what it is, that's right? Interesting. You're not going to put the ones where you flub the line or you. That's not no. You put the best right. of your stuff together. Yeah. What, I would love to see one of those. I've helped the guy who now is a well-known broadcaster. We we did we Rich Hollenberg. He, he he's the Devil Ray, he, the Tampa Bay Rays studio host, and he does college basketball for ESPN all year. But when he was looking to break back into the business because he got out for a little bit, we had a we had to watch a USF game that was five months old. We went to an old studio, taped the game, and I was the color commentator. So I've seen that, but I've never seen the highlight yeah, yeah. reel. What is the highlight reel? Bang! All, like what do they all, do? All, all their fun catchphrases, iterations, yeah, all the fun points they make. Yeah, because wow. it's, it's, again, you want to show I'm engaging and entertaining. I can hold an audience, right? Because you're sending this to producers, right? The same idea as a coach. Can this dude do things, right? It's re- that's what when you're looking at. And can you do stuff? Is really the, the question. Okay, I see stuff, but now I need much larger context. What 
what is the context of the stuff I see you doing, right? And so that's that's just the name of the game. But yeah, everybody does it. So so years ago, Dick Vitale had a dipsy <laughs> dude, don't go. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this guy is hilarious, <laughs> and this is gonna work. Yeah, no, yeah, it's just that's, yeah, that's the name fine. of the game. Got to generate interest. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that. I one of the things I love about uh, off season is you know players. I mean, it happens during the season too, but. Players are on podcasts, they're talking, they're saying all kinds of interesting things. So one of, one of the players that I enjoy, uh, Michael Porter Jr., the Denver Nuggets, he was on a podcast. And the host asked him, have you seen these internet memes they've made of you? And I, I had to look at this, Dave, because I thought it was a hilarious name. Of Michael Never Swing the Rock Porter Jr. And I was like, that is some funny shit. <laughs> and he's like, and, in, and Michael MPJ in the interview is like, I mean, no, I've seen those. And he's like, okay, truth beats old. Like, I, I know, like, he was like, I, don't, I never swing the rock, but like. When I'm out there, like, I don't see contests. Like, when someone swings the ball to me, I'm like, oh, this is looking good. He's like, it's only after when I see film, I'm like, damn, I can't believe I shot that. That dude was actually contesting. And I would love to know your POV as a coach, right, talking to these guys and these players. And you could see how someone like MPJ at 6'10", who's, and he said, humbly, I am one of the best three-point shooters in the league, which is a factual statement, right? Like, he's a 40% three-point shooter. Guys like him, Katie, these big, tall dudes who shoot well, they probably don't see contests, right? Even though there is a contest. So you've got two kinds of nicknames to it. Well, three kinds. One is just an extension of the name or a shortened version of the name, right? Uh, one is the description of a personality or like a hometown. There's something about him. And then the, there's the ironic ones, which I happen to like. The, the huge, gigantic way to call him tiny. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I had, uh, we had a, a, a friend I was in college who was very heavy, and his nickname was Big, B-I-G, Big. And I guess he went away for a summer, came back, had lost some weight. My brother Mike said, oh, we got to call you Medium now. <laughs> That's very funny. But um, it's a funny nickname. I don't think anyone was calling him that. Um, uh, yeah, the truth is that he's locked in on the rim. And uh, maybe Victor mm-hmm. and Chet and some of those guys could get him to, to reconsider. Uh, uh, we teach early high-hand contest for a reason, early high-hand contest. We're trying to get you to think. But, you you know, he's sick. Like you said, he's 6'10 with a high release. Um, I don't think there's a problem with that. Yeah, I don't. I get it. You want to, you know, the whole point of contesting is not to block it. That's when you foul. That's what these guys are making the mistake all the time. Stop. Stop fouling three-point shooters. We're just playing basketball. You're trying to get them to think about you. And he clearly is impervious to that yeah, so far yeah. anyway. It, it, it's just funny stuff. And he said, you know, his teammates are like, Michael, shoot the ball. When we, we saw that in the finals, right? They're like, don't matter, dude. Keep shooting. Like, because we know you're good and you're going to make them. Yeah. Excellent, shooter. excellent shooter. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I love it though. Michael never swing the rock Porter Jr. I'm like, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That would be a fun article. I won't do it, but um, appropriate nicknames. Uh, for guys that uh, that have a peculiar thing about them, yeah, Ooh, that's a, all right. That's yeah. a true thing. If we see that run anywhere else, we're gonna know what you stole it from us. So don't even try it. Um, but yeah, that'd be pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no left hand. This. <laughs> oh, and, that's that's right, Jalen right. Brown for sure. I mean, that's... <laughs> right, right. No left hand, Jalen. Right, right. Guy that loves the scoop. Um, yeah, we can also do ironic yeah. ones. Yeah. That on the last show, you talked about the Netflix series uh, quarterback, which features Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes. Is there a third or just those two? 
Yeah, yeah Marcus, Marcus Mariota. Um, and you know, you said a, a, an actual a mom of an NBA player told you, "Oh, you got to check this show out. It's interesting." And you, and really as good. guys of you know, when David is told to check something out, he will often do it, but he does it earnestly, and he will like go, "Huh, here's some yeah. lessons I think we can apply yeah. to larger things." And so there's something in this quarterback series on Netflix that you find interesting that might apply to basketball. Yeah, I mean, first of all, just see, I said this maybe before, seeing Mahomes' energy is really spectacular. He, you know, this is a guy at the top of his profession. He's young. He just uh, in the show, he just had his second baby. Um, you know, he's in his 20s. Um, but he's just got such great energy and spirit about him um, and crazy talented. He's a great shit talker. Um, but in, I think in episodes, maybe episode four is about mind games. But you really see these guys studying film and getting into what I was hoping the whole series would be about, which much more grainy ideas. I don't watch football, but I'm always looking to steal stuff. So whatever I can do, and I, and I, I did, I, I'm going to steal some things. I'm not going to talk about them because I do have a business where I try to help players get better. And I don't want to be able to copy. So, um, but it did make me think to what you and Henry always talk about, you know, two games a week. That's it. Our guys could study a lot more. And, and understand the other team a lot more and also counters to how they're going to defend me and vice versa a lot more if we just let them. They, they get bigger brains, not smaller brains, by being able to study more and prepare better like yep. we see in the postseason. Except the postseason comes right. with dead legs. Imagine being able to do that all year because our legs aren't dead and we're only playing two games a week. I think oh, it would be a better I'm product. with you 100%, David. And, you know, we talked about owning a day of the week, right? I mean, think about it. So let's the NBA Tuesday and Saturday as their days, right? Like Tuesday, don't got to worry about. There's no NFL on Tuesdays. Saturday, whatever. You got college football for a few months, but college football is so regional. And so many, Not even. It's, yeah, it's barely. So yeah, most of the games are almost so in November. It, it yeah. is. Yeah. Look, it, we have a long way. And we talked about this on the future of the, the, the NBA series. Um, there's yeah. so much to go there. Um, but I, listen, I love it. So I'm 100% in on that. Um, real quick before we go, the NBA released its... Um, Complete, complete. <laughs> poorly. They released it poorly because I'm trying to download schedules into my com- laptop and only one has worked so far. For some reason, I can see all the Pacers games. I've got one Charlotte game, uh, maybe one Wizards game that's not playing the Pacers in Miami. It's very strange. I don't, I'll have to read back and play it, but they use this thing Rocket to, to download stuff into Google and it's uh, not working for me. And I've never had a problem so before. No, of course, David's got players across the NBA. So he, he needs to have the whole – everybody's schedule needs to be on his phone. But yeah, but I'm also – any any game that we might want to talk about, you know, as I study it, I want to add it. And just so it's in my calendar, really it's just for my wife. <laughs> because it, it, I, she, we have in our, in our, in our house, um, above uh, – on the wall of our kitchen, uh, our, down at our breakfast table, um, a huge monthly yep. calendar. Yeah, on a whiteboard. Used to be all the kids' schedules. Well, a lot we of families them do that still. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, if we know Max and Rachel have something like when Max's season come out, we'll put it on there. And so she'll have all the things that we do, but also she'll have my game schedule each night. She'll just have the block. Is it, you know, is it, it? Do I have any games? And what night am I taking off? And so I first have to figure it out that I give it to her so we can map out our plan for the month. Yeah. And so I can't right now. It's not working. NBA, out. come on, do better. Dave and Chrissy got to plan their life. A couple of things um, mm-hmm. stuck out to me. Opening night is always, you know, fun. So ring night when the Nuggets get their rings and the Lakers going to be in the locker room fuming because they got swept in the conference finals. What's well, that going to make them play better? Blah blah blah. All that. So we'll see. 
Suns Warriors, which will be a nice sort of uh, potential playoff series matchup early. Yeah. That is KD getting back to Golden State again, playing in front of those fans. Um, um, a couple of things also uh, of interest to me. The first time the Spurs and Thunder play, because um, I, I I like uh, Chet and Victor, two, two huge. Yeah, Chet, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone knows I love seven footers, so huge aliens going at it will be fun. Uh, Warriors and Grizzlies on MLK Day, always fun. The first time Jordan Poole goes to goes back to Golden State, and when Draymond goes to Washington, always interesting. Uh, Grizzlies Lakers, always interesting. And the first time Dylan Brooks comes back to Memphis as a visitor, so you know those are just. Right off the top of my head, things that like, oh, looking, 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 interesting to see what's going on there. But ultimately, I'm excited the season's going to be here soon. But before that, David, we have FIBA World Cup. So we're definitely going to be uh, looking a little bit at that. This, it starts the 25th. Yep, it yep, starts next week. So yeah. we'll look to see Team USA, how they're doing, and watch some plays on some other teams. I know I talked about it on Monday, but Santi Aldama will be watching him in Spain, see if he can do some things, especially because if he is the, and he can shoot threes as a stretch four, well, that means now you put Jaron at the five, and that's your small lineup, right? And you can really do some things. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, what he does internationally and if he can translate that into the into the NBA. All right, folks, have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.